everyone. Hello. Welcome back to another Beetroot episode. Yay. Um, we are speaking to you from, I would I want to say rainy, like rainy Scotland, but also it's like sunny and then rainy. Can't make up then, its mind Scotland. Yeah, can't make up its mind Scotland. Lottie and I are finally reunited in a room Yay. and are talking over only one Zoom recorder and not a double Zoom kind of situation. Face to face, real time, no Zoom. No Zoom apart from one Zoom. There's one <laughs> Zoom involved. So one Zoom kind of so situation. One Zoom kind of thing. We're at the Fringe Festival, which has been so fun. Yeah. Matt is working very hard and I'm being your mistress. I you suppose. really are, my yeah. housewife. <laughs> yeah. I've got the, got the table set when you come home. Yeah, it feels so good to be back together. And especially in such a beautiful city where everything is just art-oriented at the moment and everything is really exciting around us. So Um, we thought we'd record an episode or two, who knows? Yeah, so get ready for some very fun beetroot episodes. Um, I think today's topic is quite topical, if I could say. It's all about the senses, about, I guess being together in a room finally being able to smell each other touch each other um hear each other (laughs) i nearly said spit each other's mouths i don't know why (laughs) um that's not what we've been doing but i was like yeah senses senses (laughs) okay lottie get your mind out of the gutter um i feel like it's speaking of the gutter i feel like it's kind of come from the fact that edinburgh at the moment is such a sensory overload like there's food trucks everywhere and there's music in the streets and people are bumping into each other all the time mm. and, the and the bin men, men. Yeah, the bin are, men are on strike, strike. Um, so there's definitely a smell that is starting yes. to build up and around like, as the Lottie streets likes to say there's a lot of trash in this city and, and I not- don't just mean the theatre <laughs> um, no all the theatre's been really good it has um, been really good but there is a lot of trash in this town at the moment but tell you what's not trash the poems we've brought along to share with one another which I think are absolutely brilliant because we've been to a lot of bookshops in Edinburgh as well and we've been doing a little bit of I would say field work with poetry going to actual poetry sections and I feel like compared to when we started this podcast bookstores everywhere have come such a long way with their poetry sections like it used to be a really small section at the back of the bookstore which you had mm. to like kind of like the x-rated the r-rated or x-rated <laughs> yeah. section like behind be, a curtain behind a curtain creepy old men standing <laughs> yeah. there and you'd be like yeah i mean you, you'd be the only person there but now i mean we were fighting to get into the poetry section and True. it was big yeah and there were chairs to sit down and there was tea being offered you know no it's true and I think I mean it's something that we've talked about as well but I think that also considering since when we started the podcast I think we have a different approach to how we like to find our poems and Mm. I think when you look at the poets that we're bringing in from the beginning that would have been a lot of big names a lot of like Ted Hughes Sylvia Plath Mm. now thanks to actually going into local bookstores we've managed to encounter writers that we wouldn't have maybe encountered someone else like the writer that I brought in today um, Erica Gillingham like I don't know if her books would be sold in like bookstores you know in France or you know so it's also kind of a chance to just discover other poets that we wouldn't otherwise get the chance to discover yeah and bookstores have been doing such a good job as well with like their displays and mm. highlighting marginalized voices and writers who are just emerging and mm. aren't already 
published and mm-hmm. don't have multiple collections out. I feel like people want to taste a new voice. Well, there we go, senses. But like they want to hear a new voice in poetry. Like to keep coming back to the same poet is it's a nice cozy jumper but you know if you want a new outfit or to shake it up a little bit i think you do want to hear different voices in poetry so that's what we've brought along for you today mm-hmm. so i'm gonna go first yes and i'm immensely proud to bring this poet on to beetroot actually um because she's my teacher she's i've spent the year with her learning about poetry learning so much from her being inspired by her and she has just released her debut collection Another Way to Split Water. Her name is Alicia Permahamid, and she's brilliant. This is her debut collection, and I wanted to visit one of the poems in this wonderful book. It's just so beautiful, it's very blue. And and in this collection, she looks at longing and separation and transforming, reforming, reimagining, imagining, sort of across borders and not just, you know, geographic ones but also the border between the human and the more than human um Mm. like the the post-natural and the natural and what it is to be a body and landscape that's always something that i'm i'm really interested by in her teaching as well that she often teaches about what it is to be a body and landscape and what it is to take up space and especially marginalized voices in natural spaces as well because we we know about the wordsworths and the shelleys and you know, the man looking off into the distance on the top of a mountain and beholding everything and seeing it and hearing it and touching it and feeling it and writing about it. But nature writing and eco-poetry has taken such a turn in the last, well, 10, 20 years, I think, because all bodies are entitled to that kind of space. So the poem I'm bringing on is called My Body is a Forest. There is a face in the trees... I lost a language to the gap-toothed birch. Even the pine has learned how to swoon when the wind deposits a secret. A country is born knowing what it means to waver. A lost country is made by its daughters and shame begins as a seed that blossoms perennially throughout generations. Clove keeps the char bitter for every dark cross. I apologise because I could not read the recipe written in my grandmother's neat script. I added cinnamon, crushed anise, mountain slope, and too many quartered Canadas. Once I watched a mule deer unfold her limbs and vanish among the haloed trees, fog and coiling at her heels, a ghost inviting her into its loosened borders. In the blood of every migrant, there is a map pointing home. This body is an ode to the scattered landscapes that have marbled my neck with dark hairs and sharp, coarse longings. Ask me how I remember her. Not a face, but a movement. Legs stotting into a slip of boreal green. A swatch of colour in the shape of a lost country. A daughter which is to say, an inherited vanishing through the slip of a dream. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. Mm. I chose this poem because I think it speaks to the idea that memory depends on the senses, just as much as the senses depend on memory, Mm. and that when we 
smell something or touch something, t taste, hear something, we are engaging in this game of association of what it reminds us of. So for instance, I can, if I, if another woman walks past wearing like Coco Mademoiselle, which is like a scent that my mother has worn um, for years, like ever since I was a kid, then it all, like the image of her just crosses over my mind. Mm. It's like saying chicken, you can't help but think of a chicken. And that's the power <laughs> of the senses. <laughs> what a beautiful point ruined. My farmyard I know, talk. it was so poetic. <laughs> it's like a chicken. It's a coco mademoiselle, and you just think of... It's the image of your mother. Um, but yeah, so I, I really enjoy how she's engaging with the senses on that level. And also to ask questions of senses in the natural world being a commonality mm. so you know the way a squirrel picks up a an acorn or you know the way a cow tastes a blade of grass it's the same way that we taste and experience textures and i think we forget that that somehow our perception of things because humans you know somehow have a more elite version of perception that it's better but it's mm. exactly the same i once watched this really good jane goodall documentary and she spent ages with chimps and she observed them making their own tools day in day out and she was like mm -mm, like here's the tool maker this is not you know maybe we've sophisticated it a bit more so we have screens in our hands that we can do games on and mm. you know, snake I don't know <laughs> I'm just thinking about the the early Nokias with like really <laughs> weird games the, on I love that that's in your mind is like the height of human invention that is, You're like, forget Silicon Valley <laughs> that's the height of techno technological sophistication for me that's true but paying attention to the natural world as not being so far removed from how we experience things. So being aware of the same kinds of smells. And, and I think if you access the senses like that, you're also aware of the same type of emotion. So like an animal grieving or um, an animal desiring. Like that it connects us, but we're not separate from it. I remember being taught in school that you know, again, I'm going to take the signpost towards the religious doctrine that, that was taught at my school, that we should have dominion over the natural world. Like that is something that is discussed in the Bible. And that was, I'd, I, I can't recall if it was encouraged, but it was definitely mentioned over and over again. And I think if you mention something over and over again, you start to believe it and you start to think, yeah, that humans have some kind of superiority. Mm. But what Alicia does here is puts them on exactly the same level with each other, yeah. um, which is really effective. And I think it's an effective way for her to explore the kind of loss and longing that she's going through. Mm. A lost country is made by its daughters and shame begins as a seed that blossoms perennially. And I, I love that the feeling of shame comes and goes. Mm. And at times you'll forget it, but then it, there'll be days when it comes so intensely that you're overwhelmed your senses are overwhelmed and, mm. and what is it to long for something it's to long for the touch of it the sound of mm. of of that person of that it's place of that thing emotion longing. yeah exactly like longing is very it's it's material mm. and it's based on the sensory experience of 
a place or a person to long because those you're longing for those characteristics mm. let's imagine a bad breakup for a moment <laughs> um you know and when you want that person's smell you want that person's mm. touch and those are the things that you can't have you don't necessarily want the bad habits of the person back but mm. all of the five senses the five that, senses yeah. yeah those are the things you want from the person yeah I just wanted to say something because when you were talking about the animals and the senses of the animals, like as I was getting into the topic of senses, I went like down some kind of like first grade science oh, uh, my God. <laughs> um, wormhole. But one of the things that uh, the my deep dive down Wikipedia made me think about was the fact that actually not only do we have like similar senses or do we explain like experience the world similarly to animals but they actually have senses that we also don't have mm. um and actually one of the lines in this poem made me think of that because certain animals will have like eco localization which is like they can understand where they are on a wider map mm. um so you know we can understand maybe you know we have a sense of direction or whatnot but they can genuinely like as a gps understand their position within the world mm. um and in the line in the blood of every migrant there is a map pointing home mm. this body i felt like there was kind of that concept of like the sense i guess the sense that we don't have as humans but maybe that we do have of like mm. eco localization of finding our position within a wider a wider vision a wider net yeah it's like an internal compass it's how whales communicate like their songs ring out across the ocean you know for for miles and miles and that's how they find one another and i think imagining ourselves in a more than human context because i've done a, a bit of a disservice to the natural world by saying our senses are the same because they're not dogs like they're the ones at the airport mm-hmm. asking around about drugs mm-hmm. um and sniffing everything in sight to, to help out humans for instance i was watching i told you about gogglebox didn't i which yeah. is this tv show where people sit on the sofa and they watch all of the TV programmes that would be available to the UK. A lot of the times they sit down and watch David Attenborough documentaries. Mm. And there was this one section where a lizard has sort of just come out of its egg and has to basically run to the mother. I like They have to like make it to the mature lizards because the eggs have been distributed. But there's an ambush of so many snakes. A plague of snakes is waiting for this lizard But, you know, you see the first baby lizard perish and you're like, oh, no, that's terrible. But then the next lizard goes out and somehow understands that this snake has poor eyesight because it's got eyes on either side, but not at the front like we do. And stays really still for a moment. And everyone on these sofas across the country is going, how does it know? It's come out of the egg just five seconds ago. How does it know instinctively that this snake is not going to see it? So it has to stay very still. Mm. And that amazement, bewildering experience of the natural world, Mm. I think can enhance our experience of each other. Mm help us understand one another. And I think Alicia also uses that as a way to make sense of borders. So Mm. there's a beautiful um, moment where we go to the image of the deer 
Once I watched a mule deer unfold her limbs and vanish among the haloed trees, fog uncoiling at her heels, a ghost inviting her into its loosened borders. And it's, I just imagine this deer disappearing into a really rich forest, which is so overwhelmed by sensory experience, by the sound of the trees, by bird song, and perhaps this is like a, a meadow or something that is quite um, still and quiet and you only have the experience of this deer like there's this one body in the meadow and all of a sudden for this deer to disappear into a forest which is so um, communal like there's so so many things going on there it's almost like the city equivalent of yeah. of the natural world um, I love that forest says the city yeah. of the natural world well, no it's true there's so much bustle and hustle because when you walk into a forest I don't know about you but I feel like I'm interrupting something mm. that I that there's my presence is not particularly wanted there because mm. everyone was was doing something or going about their thing and yeah. I've it's like I've walked into a room and I'm the elephant now. That's so interesting that you say that because this summer I've been like my family, uh, Italian family is all from the Alps, like high mountain mm. and I was talking to my grandmother and she was telling me about all of these pre-alpine myths, pre-alpine meaning mm. like before the first men wandered to the heights of the, the first alpinisti, the first mm. men to go up into the heights of the mountains and but so how how they had all these stories about how there was like a whole world of you know animals and magical creatures living at the tops of the mountains in the forests mm. and that when the humans first came they would kind of hide away and like look from you know their little hidden spots but it's funny that you you say that you feel that when you walk into a, a forest because mm. i think that it's a very it's obviously some kind of ancestral feeling because every you know there's very very old yeah. mountain stories written about this walking in and bearing witness but disappearing being able to disappear into the forest and kind of being a, a flanoose of the forest if you will <laughs> if you will um but the image of this deer just so gently easily crossing a border into another territory essentially and i think this image really does this poem a service by saying, look at how sim- look at how easy it is for this, for this deer to cross a border, mm. and the invitation, the border loosening, I think makes a suggestion to you know, and she and she visits the idea of um, a country is born knowing what it means to waver, but that's not the reality of it, especially not in our current climate. Countries put their defences up in the most sinister way instead of welcoming and accommodating and maybe giving up the ghost of the country itself. Because whilst a country is simultaneously a unifying concept, it is also a separating one, which is kind of the, I, I guess the paradoxical nature of countries is that just as they have their borders, which keep people in and keep people together and Mm. you know keep people under one nation uh, one idea with its own sort of set of values and and cultures you know which we also see in this poem cloves keep the char bitter i added cinnamon crushed anise like all of these belong to a certain food culture Mm. um, which is native to a place and that's what alicia is so good at doing is visiting both sides of the coin i'd say when Mm. it comes to place 
and showing the multifaceted dimensions of a place and how a body is in place and engages with both of those sides. Mm. So whilst the culture being discussed in this poem is so distinctive sensory as well, you know, with taste and smell and it's the mention of spices, you just, you want to be able to to recall that smell, mm. but smell sort of escapes us a, a lot easier, I think, mm. you know, it's music we can recall quite easily by ourselves, but to try and conjure a smell is so much harder. Yeah. And I'd be fascinated as to how the science um, of that works. But this idea of the country being land, but being so much more hostile than mm. the land that the deer is experiencing, this forest to something outside of the forest. Because I imagine for a deer to unfold the limbs and vanish among haloed trees, the uh, the collective noun of, of trees gives the impression of a forest. So I'm, you're kind of reading between the lines here. And then later on in the blood of every migrant, there is a map pointing home this body, which you spoke about earlier as being like this um, eco-location, did you call it? Eco-localization, e- yeah. Eco-localization. This body is an ode to the scattered landscapes that have marbled my neck with dark hairs and sharp, coarse longings. This image of a body wanting to move freely and not being able to, and instead, instead of the free movement, being replaced by longing. Mm. And this is something that is perhaps not perhaps not the reality of the of the voice but it is the reality of the generational inheritance of migration mm. um and leaving something behind and not being able to go back for it mm. or wanting to go back to it far more than you're able to mm. and why are you not able to because of the le- legislation surrounding borders yeah. which is a complication of our modern world yeah. and in revisiting the ecosystems that interact with each other so freely and naturally you know death is not a tragedy in in nature it just is yeah it's interesting i think one of the things that really marked me in what you said is like and it obviously comes in at the title like my body is a forest like Mm. she's obviously making the connection between her body and space Mm. and obviously this poem breaks up so many different themes but i think that it's really interesting to analyze it through the theme of senses that we were like kind of deciding to bring poems about Mm. because if you think of you know the let's say skin as like the boundary or the border of the body like we often think of the body as Mm. this like it's also bordered like a nation you know we have the skin and we are an individual Mm. and you know especially in that kind of capitalist society like you know we are an individual with a body and that that can't be perforated that that is kind of impermeable Mm. Um, but the senses are exactly what blurs that unity of the borders of the body you know like the smell comes in food comes in it comes out touch you know a cut like the it's interesting I feel that Mm. kind of um so if like senses for the body are the loosening of the borders of us as individuals you know what are the senses of a nation what are and you know it makes me think of um after it's a very stupid story but after Brexit um I was talking to a farmer in Northern Ireland who has his farm is exactly at the border between the south of Ireland and the north of Ireland and he has cows in this field and 
he had to basically like now they were going through discussions about like legislation of like how they were going to control the movement of his cows and he was just looking at me he's like how the fuck am I supposed to tell the cows that they can't go to the south of Ireland <laughs> <laughs> it's just across the field <laughs> you, you can't explain that but the, like this idea of biology having borders but sense being the vehicle through which we blur those borders mm. is such a beautiful response to Alicia's poem I think because the other day you said that somewhere smelt like blood and I just it sort of stuck with me this <laughs> idea of blood because blood has this metallic smell it's it's mm. like metal um but how you know how does blood occur well for most of us it's touching something sharp so you touch something sharp, blood spills, you smell blood, you see blood, and suddenly there's all of these colours and senses that arise from this one unfortunate... Or, you know, for um, people who have periods, mm. you know, every month, having this experience of seeing so much blood and being more attuned to that if you're so used to the sight of something and the smell of it and the colour of it, um, then, you know, you start to to associate it with your identity i i know for one that this week i've spent in edinburgh i will remember the smell of the bins Mm -hmm. um but i'll also remember the sights i've seen on stage and the music and when we go to a place and when we leave a place we leave ourselves open to experiencing all these different sensory attacks if you will Mm. Um, and then when we leave that place we take it with us and if we visit a place more and more then we grow quite fond and attached to these different experiences of of the senses I think what Lysia looks at so beautifully is what happens when we don't visit the place as Mm. much and when we have to connect to a culture and connect to a family history through fragments and what happens when we have fragments of history and of senses I apologise because I could not read the recipe written in my grandmother's neat script she could have just said my my grandmother's handwriting but she said grandmother's neat script and it's that recognition of a style of writing the Mm. sight of it that takes her back to the history and her family yeah, I love what you said. It's true, like these fragments of when you can't relate, because obviously senses are our way to relate to a place. And mm. so if you aren't in that place, you can't relate to it. But I guess, yeah, like when you think of how people hold on to places that are important to them, like for them through migration, so much of it is like the food, mm. the music, like as you say, these like transportable pieces mm. of senses that you bring with you um and that you cherish you know and it's like the same reason that you know when i go to italy i come back with olive oil or parmesan because it just does not even though you can get it in Mm -hmm. france like it doesn't taste the same and like obviously that's not comparable because i have like this free passage between these places but there's something about the sensory taste of that that is just so precious and you can't have it every day but you bring that what you can in a way and you hold on to it and you and it's difficult in some situations but I do think this poem is brilliant beautiful and I think it's such a stunning debut as well Mm. um 
And if you haven't already, go and buy Another Way to Split Water by Alicia Pemahamid because you're missing out if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that little bit of promo, I'm going <laughs> to hand over to Marta and your poem. Yes. Um, so my poem is from the collection The Human Body is a Hive by Erica Gillingham. Um, Erica Gillingham, I mean, I, I didn't really know her before, but she's a queer poet and writer living in London and she is a bookseller and a poetry editor and many other wonderful things and a writer and this is also her debut pamphlet and the poem i decided to bring in is called orange peels tectonic shifts and like if anyone knows me they'll know that i have a slight obsession with orange peels i love orange peels it's like your usp i as a a child i I used to think that orange peels had magical powers to protect people so i would slip them in the pockets of all the people i loved um nothing bad has happened to me in this past year i'd just like to say yeah there you go so (laughs) if you ever find some orange peels in your pockets i'm sorry and you're welcome but so as soon as I saw this, I think I, I just kind of got attracted to the poem. So I decided this is what I'm bringing in. But actually reading it over and over and kind of breaking it apart, it has so many working elements that are really interesting on the theme of senses. So I'll just read it and then we can discuss. Orange peels, tectonic shifts. Against the cafe tabletop, you spread out your fingertips. Press your palm to its surface and ask me to imagine an array of orange pieces standing in for tectonic plates. A classroom explanation of mapping projections turned discussions of the Earth's crust. I listen, attentive yet strained, an unexpected flush rising in my belly. Conjure the sweet smell of orange oil on your fingers, the soft edges of pith ache for my pale skin to be the mantle underneath the fault lines of your hands. Mm-hmm. So when it, when I started to look into senses, as I was saying earlier, like I just kind of fell down a rabbit hole of like scientifically, I was just curious. I was like, what is this? And I think that there's a few definitions here and there that kind of made me reflect on this poem in different ways. The first one was the idea that senses are the process of gathering information about the world and responding to the stimuli and kind of interpreting it. Mm. Um, And the title of this chapter of the collection is Pheromones. And I think that when we're talking, obviously when we think of the senses, we think of smell, sight, touch, you know, kind of the classical five senses, but it's commonly accepted now in the scientific community that there are way more than five Mm. senses. And I think that pheromones or instinct, like, although I don't understand the science of it completely and maybe they don't fall exactly within uh, the category of senses, but I think that there's this thing about sort of like collecting information, collecting knowledge in a way that's other than like our very sort of vision centric culture Mm. and trusting your instincts, trusting your body Mm. as a source of knowledge as well you know and I I think about it in terms of you know you go sometimes you know you just have a a weird feeling about something or you you know you think "Mm, this situation is maybe not safe and you don't know why but your body has collected information through smell through sight through touch and Mm. pheromones or whatever that install in you like 
some kind of other knowledge another kind of element of of the senses that comes into this poem for me is like how the senses connect you to a moment you know you can't as you say it's really difficult to recall smell if it's not there the senses are something that are very much linked to the present to a moment and this poem happens in a very fleeting moment it's in a cafe table one tiny brib of a conversation and a moment in the way that i interpret it is this moment where unexpectedly as she says you know she's trying to listen but unexpectedly she starts to feel this attraction or this desire and it's mm. it's focused on this tiny moment and it analyzes every sense you know there's the smell of the orange oil the feeling of the pressing your hand on the table all of these like you can imagine like the sound of the cafe or whatever and it's just mm. through all these senses she like grasps this tiny little moment where something she's accumulated all this information about this person or whatever and something switches and she feels this attraction yeah. and she wants to become the mantle underneath the fault lines of mm. your hand yeah um, it's so i i think the likening to the earth's structure is so mm. brilliant because this moment is um quite fleeting in a in a cafe and these orange peels are quite, they're, I mean, you slip them into everyone's pockets, so they're quite small. Mm. Um, very simple, but bringing in the earth structure mm -hmm. just makes it seem so immense and big. And it is, these emotions are so big. Mm. To think of ourselves as structured in that way, to have a mantle and fault lines, and that, that there's these tectonic plates shifting in us. I think it's just brilliant when writers use metaphors like that that, mm -hmm. that quite literally in this case ground us and we're just looking out the window and there's Arthur's seat but you know to see yeah. to even to think of your skin as like a cliff's edge or something and you know, that someone can trace your skin and experience it in this sensory way mm. oh it's brilliant yeah no, I love it's it. so brilliant and it's interesting that both poems that we brought in compare the body to a space or kind mm. of and I think it's because the senses are basically between the body and space and it's yeah. what connects the two and so obviously if you're focusing on senses it makes sense that the two start to become merged and you know like if you look at the last word of each of each stanza, the last word of the first stanza is the, the earth's crust, mm -hmm. and the last one is the fault lines of your hands. And you know, she talks about how she wants to be the mantle, and the mantle is the layer of the earth that is right below the crust. So all of a sudden, like, Whoa. I know, I, this is my this was my science Whoa. research looking at grass. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but so you know, all of a sudden, then if you know her skin is the mantle then the hand of the other person becomes the crust and Aww, they become the earth together <laughs> i love that isn't it great yeah. isn't it great um mm. also like not to i mean obviously you know anyone can read it and relate to it but i just love like only the queers could kind yeah, of i love could, that experience could, of love could compare a moment of like realizing you're attracted to someone to a literal tectonic shift that changes the fabric of the to world like geological time scales <laughs> and and the actual earth and the actual earth. Dra drama queens, <laughs> drama queens. um 
but you know so and I and I love that because I think that it's the poem that you brought in is obviously looking at so many different themes that are really interesting really political as well and I I love this poem also because it just touches to something so small it's not trying or you know it's not trying to talk about much <laughs> yeah except for this little moment if senses are what also blurs the boundary between us mm. and the world i think that senses are also what blurs the line between us and other individuals yeah. and you know pheromones another scientific definition coming your way oh. <laughs> from your local, wow, your local nice. pleasure to have you on the podcast <laughs> um, but pheromones are the substances secreted by an individual and received by a second like second individual of the same species so like yeah. pheromones are literally like how kind of like the the embodiment of the fact that our, our bodies are not separate they're communicating with each other in ways that we can't even oh, imagine man. you know <laughs> this is what i'm saying all the time like we know this much and you can't this is a podcast so you can't see but like i'm holding my hands up real tiny and there's a little gap between my index finger and my thumb but we know so little of the world exercise curiosity when you have mm. these subjects and topics presented to you i mean you know a poem is just a portal into another world these and i i was about to say as well that the orange peel is like this portal which connects because an orange is of the earth right it's mm. this fruit grown from a seed it's been germinated la 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 it's been part of the entire growing process but it's this portal into a more intimate human moment mm. um which is so useful and in, i run these workshops all about paradise and how we can access paradise night every day or how how the concept of paradise travels in between disciplines and lifestyles and one thing we look at is paradise portals and finding that one item or person or song and using that to access a far greater feeling mm. and like what you've done with this poem as well is access a huge network of knowledge which is mm. Mm, so good it is and actually speaking i took your workshop on the paradise well, portal obviously. and of course being who i am uh and having like one personality trait my portal was an orange <laughs> and i wrote about it and you know you asked us to write about the ritual of you know what are you what do you do with this portal how does it bring you through and with an orange for me it's like you know from the very ritual of like pushing your nail into the skin of it and mm. peeling it with that like fluffy white part and the little like sparks of juice that come out of it and the smell that just invades you from the moment that the you know the peel the oil breached, the oil yeah to then actually sharing it you know an orange is literally made to be shared like there's little oh, orders I love that. oh my god i love that so much <laughs> lottie oh. is in tears before oh my god me. <laughs> literally a communal fruit it's literally oh. a communal fruit to then like you know the the like me keeping these orange peels and putting them in the pockets of all the people that i love to protect like oh god it's so fucking beautiful <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i've never not like eaten an orange and like not offered someone a wedge you know, you know? or like the idea of running off like a football or a hockey pitch in school and these mums just offering people oranges it's so fucking beautiful and it's like th I mean, we're not past the watershed. We can swear on our podcast, but I feel bad doing it. But um, <laughs> I really mean it. Um, but it's just such an amazing offering from mm. the natural world to us. 
Yeah, it really is. And yeah, like, I think that's poet, like, just to, to bring it back to the poem is also, mm. you know, the shape, <laughs> the shape of an orange to the shape of, of the earth. Like, there's so many little things. You know, it's always the shortest poems like this one, just two stanzas. Yeah that have so much richness and so much depth and you know mm. you're you literally you know from the very title orange peels tectonic shifts you go from the infinitely small to like the infinitely big and yeah. everything that is in between and i think that is just beautiful and i think these poems are harder to write quite honestly and a short poem which says so much by using so few words. I mean, look at the haiku, like the tradition of haikus mm. in Japanese literature, which display an entire spectrum of human emotion. I'd take that any day over Paradise Lost. Maybe not Paradise Lost, because I do love that. But, um, <laughs> just because it has the word paradise in. Um, but any over any epic poem, you know, which, yes, tells a story. But this has told us so many stories with mm. so little, with two stanzas. I want to give um, three little assignments to our listeners. <gasps> oh my goodness, homework! It's okay. homework. Um, I think my first one is uh, to go and take an orange and really enjoy peeling it and sharing it with someone and just relish in the different senses, how it feels in your hand, how it feels in your nose. You know, it kind of stings your nose when you yeah. open an orange as well. And to share that moment with someone and to take the time to do it. The other one would be just the curiosity. You know, I think you were talking about how, you know, how little we know, mm. you know. And I think today doing all of this like little scientific research, I was like, God, there is so much. So maybe to just like look for one thing that you can't explain, you know, be yeah. it dreams, be it why you kind of know that that person is not someone you want to hang out with even though you don't know why like yeah, just those little magic those gut feelings those little whatever you know why just something look up something you don't know yeah um, look up look you know what i'm actually fascinated to know and you can all i mean we have an email you can email us i suppose <laughs> we, we might respond um but the difference between satsumas mandarins oranges i want to know i want to <laughs> know what has gone on what fight occurred for, for all of these fruits to have different, you know, classifications and names, what the differences are? Because I fell down a rabbit hole the other day trying to find out about the difference between a courgette and a zucchini, <laughs> which is the same vegetable, yes, but why, why did all of a sudden zucchini just come along? Or why did all of a sudden courgette come along? Fall down a rabbit hole this week. I think yeah. that's the assignment, right? Is there a third part? Smell a book. Smell a book. <laughs> okay. Done. On that. <laughs> Read a book. Read a book. Yeah. Well, it's very lovely to be here in physical, tangible, and we hope to be able to also have a moment together with our listeners at some point. Maybe I'll you know yeah some events we're we're planning things with future and we can't wait to yeah to see you all we won't make empty promises but we are working very hard on making beetroot something that everyone can experience because beetroot is poetry and everyone should experience poetry mm-hmm. because it's everywhere thank you everyone thank you for listening as always and thank you marta for your poem thank you lati till next time bye, bye.